0: Good morning, everyone. Would you pray with me, please? Father God, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we open ourselves now for your Word. I pray that your Word, Father, be effective in us, that your Word not only teach us mentally, but that your Word, Father, would have effect in us that it be transformational, that it be impacting. My Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray Your Holy Spirit to be over all of us, me who speak and all who hear. May we all together hear what You have to say and what You have to teach us. Form us, O Lord. Form us, I pray, This, Father God, in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, please. And if you have your Bibles with you, I would like to highly uh, recommend that you open it to the Gospel of Matthew, the first Gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 11. Chapter 11 of the Gospel of Matthew. There are Bibles in front of you as well. Uh, and if, um, if you didn't bring your Bible and you want to use uh, the insert that was uh, in, your, in your bulletin, that is uh, doable as well, since I will be speaking mostly from what is there. But let us prepare to, uh, to go into this word, uh, into this word of the Lord, chapter 11 of the Gospel of of Matthew, the, uh, the basis of the sermon where I want you and, and I to, to uh, consider and to dwell in is on the idea of who was John. Who was John the Baptist? And I know all of us, the moment you hear the name John the Baptist, immediately some kind of a figure will come into your mind, some kind of an idea of what John was like and what John did. But I hope that we can go deeper into who this man, John the Baptist, uh, related to Jesus uh, by birth, uh, a cousin uh, of Jesus through his mother, uh, Mary. Um, let, us, let us, or let me first take a little bit of time and, and take you back to the first appearance of John first time we find John doing any form of ministry. Uh, John had appeared around 30 AD or so, about 30 AD in the first century. He had appeared uh, in the wilderness of Judea to the east of Jerusalem and at a river called Jordan. And there he appeared one day, dressed extremely um, unusual, to say the least. Dressed very unusual, and dressed uh, more, and behaving more like the prophets of old. And he began to preach there by the River Jordan, and his sermon basically was, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is waiting no longer. God is not waiting any longer to enter human history. The kingdom of heaven was imminent. Imminent in the life of all those that lived at that time the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And because the kingdom of heaven was at hand, he began to preach and to call the people to repentance. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, primarily when you say, I'm sorry because I got caught. Repentance is a real realization of, that your life has not been complying with the word of the Lord, with the will of the God of Israel, with the, the will of our God. And repentance involves not just coming to the grip of the fact that your life is going not according to God's plan, but it is a desire and a will in your part to turn around Turn around in your life and begin to walk differently. If you were going in this direction and you realize that you are going against the will of God, you don't say, I'm sorry, and keep going. You say, I'm sorry, God, and you turn around 180 degrees and you begin to walk in the opposite direction in the ways of the Lord. That is true repentance. Repentance is not just sorrow. It is a change of life. And John the Baptist began to call the people that were coming to the river. They began to call them to repent from all their sins in mind, in thought, and in deed. Anything that was contrary to God, they were to come with repentant hearts and turn their hearts toward God. He began to call them to be baptized. Baptized in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. We know that about John the Baptist. But another thing that is so important, especially for the passage today, is what John the Baptist testified about Jesus. What did John say to us about who Jesus Christ was. And I looked through all four of the Gospels, and I started looking for everywhere where John appeared, and he began to bear witness of Jesus. are some of the things that John said about Jesus. He said that Jesus was coming, he that is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Correct? He that is coming is mightier than I. In John, the way he puts, John puts it, John the disciple puts it, he says that Jesus is preferred before him because he was before him. He's preferred before him or above him because he came before John. The second thing we find that John the Baptist testified about Jesus is he says that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, some people see fire and they think, oh, that's the fire of the Holy Spirit. Wrong. He would baptize with the Holy Spirit and he will baptize with the fire of judgment, the fire of righteousness versus unrighteousness. This is not a reference to the fire of the Holy Spirit that we later find in the book of Acts. Jesus would bring a division to the earth, and he will baptize with with Holy Spirit, but also with judgment and with fire, especially those that do not turn and repent of their sins. Another thing that John the Baptist said about Jesus is that he is the Christ. John was asked, are you the Christ? He said, no. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet that was to come? No. So who are you? And then he begins to tell him who he is. But then he says, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Later on. In John particularly, we hear that John the Baptist looked at Jesus coming to the waters and he said, there, that is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Twice he pointed to Jesus and called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Then he said that the Spirit of God was upon Jesus. In fact, that's how John recognized Jesus, that he was the anointed one of God. He said, when I saw the Spirit come upon him and remain in him, I knew he was the one. So he he tells us that the Holy Spirit of God was upon Jesus. Later, he also calls him the Son of God. This is John the Baptist calling Jesus the Son of God. In another place, he calls him the bridegroom. He says, we're all the bride, but only Jesus is the bridegroom. He also says that Jesus comes from above while all of us are from the earth. And lastly, the last thing I found where John the Baptist is witnessing about Jesus, he says that Jesus Christ gives life. He gives eternal life. In fact, John tells us that he who has the Son has life, and he who has not the Son has not life. Jesus Christ is the life giver. And whoever receives Jesus receives eternal life. All of these are what John the Baptist has to say about Jesus Christ. 30 years early when he was baptizing in the Jordan. Now we have to go several months after the baptism of Jesus, and we find that Jesus has begun to do his ministry in the area of Galilee to the north of Jerusalem. The north of Judea, he begins to do his ministry. And as we're reading chapter 10, we find that Jesus commissions his 12 disciples, commissions them to teach and to preach and to heal and to cast out demons. And he empowers them and he sends them out to every city in Galilee and to begin to minister to everyone and prepare the way that Jesus was about to enter. So we have Jesus sending out the twelve to preach and heal and cast out demons, and Jesus himself remains doing this ministry in the area of Galilee. However, we find John the Baptist in prison. Jesus is doing all this ministry. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God Not just in proclamation, but he's bringing the kingdom of God indeed, and John is in prison. John is in prison by one of the Herods, the Tetrarch, Herod Antipas. He's in prison at a place called the Fortress of Machaerus. And I think there is a map there where Machaerus is is basically in wilderness area. That's where the fortress of Macarius was, and that's where John had been locked up in a prison cell, a dark and gloomy prison cell. You see, there is a saying in Spanish, and I think I've said it before, and I will say it again, but there's a saying in Spanish about a person who just speaks his mind, we normally say, that person doesn't have hair in their tongue. And so the words just flow right through. We say, that person doesn't have hair in his tongue or her tongue. She just says whatever comes to mind, she just blurts it out. John the Baptist was like this. John the Baptist came, and John the Baptist knew he was here to do the work of God, and he called the sinners sinners and the saints saints, and he had no (laughs) in-between. And the Pharisees he called Brutal Vipers, and others he brought into the rivers of baptism. Well, the issue with Herod Antipas is that Herod Antipas had divorced his wife, and he had taken as his wife the the, the wife of his brother Philip. He just took his sister-in-law as his woman. And John the Baptist would not be quiet. And John the Baptist called him on it as a sinful act, publicly and in front of everyone. So Antipas had him arrested and thrown into prison. The woman in question was Herodias, whose daughter was Salome. You remember Salome dancing before Herod at his birthday, and he got so enamored with the dance, if not with Salome, and uh, he blurted out, Ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. And the one thing she asked was the head of John the Baptist. And so, reluctantly, he went ahead and killed John the Baptist. But at this moment that we are being taught by Jesus, John the Baptist is in a prison cell at the fortress of Machaerus. No wonder some of his disciples visit him, and John sends them to speak with Jesus, And ask them, ask Jesus, are you the one, are you the coming one, or do we look for another Messiah? Are you the coming one, or do we look for another Messiah? Are you the Messiah that I prophesied? Are you the Messiah that that God told me to prepare the way for, or is there somebody else coming? One of the things I want you to recognize in the passage, which I think is very, very important, the passage that we are looking at today, is the place of John in salvation history. If you read the passage with me, Jesus says that, he says, for all the prophets and the law, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. All the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And then then he says, from John to now, the kingdom of heaven is taken through violence, and the violent get a hold of it. The prophets and the law prophesied until John. From John until now, the violent take the kingdom of heaven. You see, when you are waiting on God, because he has a word of prophecy, and you're waiting on God, and God doesn't deliver in your timing, you will force the coming of the Lord in your own way. Amen? Amen. When you are tired of waiting for Jesus to deliver, you will take deliverance in your own hands. And that's what he means that the law, the prophets and the law prophesied until John, but after John, we want to take it by violence. There was enough violence in the first century. The zealots and others were trying to bring the kingdom of God by force. If God wasn't going to deliver them, they were going to fight them Romans until they run out of Jerusalem and out of the whole area. They were going to take it by violence. That's what Jesus is referring to. He's telling us about two eras. The era of the Old Testament and the era of the church. From... The prophets and the law, the prophets and the law prophesied until John. From John on, there's violence. And in the center, the fulcrum between these two eras stand John the Baptist. Stand John the Baptist. Jesus calls him Elijah. The Elijah that you have been waiting for. Elijah chapter 3 Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold his coming, says the Lord of hosts. And in chapter 4 also of Malachi. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse." Both of those are prophecy about John the Baptist. Jesus says that John the Baptist, if you want to hear it, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He's the Elijah that would come to prepare the way of the Lord and to prepare people and turn the fathers to the children's heart and the hearts of the children to the fathers, to the families. John the Baptist is the fulcrum he stands before between these two eras he says that John the Baptist was not a reed that moved with the times his preaching and his sermons were not to please people he was not a situational pre- uh, preacher he was not a situational preacher that spoke so people could love him. He spoke the word the way he had to speak it and you received it or you didn't, but it's on you, not on the preacher. And he says he's not a reed that that compromises the word. He was pretty straightforward. He also says that John the Baptist didn't wear fine clothing, as if he was preaching in order to, in order to gain something for himself. He says, you want to see people or preachers or leaders with fine clothing, you go to the palace and you go see the king. This man was not there to be liked. That man was not there to gain anything of himself. He was there to preach the gospel that people might turn their hearts toward God. But also, according to Jesus, John tells us that if he's not a reed that bends back and forth or a man that is after own gain, he says, so what did you come to see, a prophet? He says, yes, a prophet, and more than a prophet. A prophet and more than a prophet. And then he says, among those born of women there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Listen to that. Among those born of women, anyone born in history, any prophet of old, any Elijah, any Elisha, any Moses, any Isaiah, any Jeremiah, any one of the prophets, is not greater than John the Baptist. Of all prophets, John the Baptist is the greatest. Why? Because they all prophesied without knowing. They all prophesied to something they didn't know. They all looked forward. John the Baptist is the one that baptized Jesus. John the Baptist is the one that called the kingdom of God and saw the entrance of the kingdom of God into history. John the Baptist is greater than any other prophet because he was the preparer of the coming of the king, the Messiah. He announced him, he baptized him, he spoke with him, and he knew him. And that makes him greater than any prophet that only dreamed of the day the Messiah will come. He saw Messiah come. And in that sense, John the Baptist is the greatest of all prophets. But Jesus also says that he or she who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. That's you and me who are greater than John the Baptist. From the prophets and the law to John, they prophesied. Then John ushered the kingdom, and from John to now, men have been trying to bring the kingdom by force. He says that we are greater than John the Baptist. Why? Well, in a way, it sounds as if John the Baptist is excluded from the kingdom. And it's not an issue of salvation. I believe he was saved. But he did not have the experience that you and I have with the Lord. Every person that came into the kingdom came into the kingdom at Jesus' invitation. Not a prophet's invitation, not a sages' invitation, but at the invitation of Jesus. John the Baptist never experienced the cross. John the Baptist never experienced any of the things that those who came through Jesus into the era of the church have experienced. John the Baptist was the preacher who brought in the kingdom, who ushered the kingdom, who announced the coming of Jesus, but unfortunately, he did not participate in the works of the kingdom, only as a preparer, only as an announcer, but he did not participate in the work of the kingdom. There is the era of the Old Testament, the era of prophecy, the era of looking forward to Jesus, and then there is the era of the experience of Jesus the era of the coming of Jesus, and John stood right in the middle of that in salvation history. Greater of the prophets, and yet anyone who entered the kingdom after that is greater than John the Baptist. In other words, John occupied a huge position between the two eras, between the era of promise and the era of fulfillment. And yet, he stood outside the kingdom of heaven. Prophecy looks forward. John ushered the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment. Here's, Here's the thing that strikes me in this passage. Here we have a man who is a giant, who is a giant in salvation history. Would you agree with that? John the Baptist is a giant in salvation history. The fulcrum between the old and the new. The man who knew Jesus to the point that he testifies that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the Lamb of God. He knows all these things about Jesus. And here he sends two disciples to question whether Jesus is the one or should they look for another. Don't you find that odd? The giant in ushering the kingdom, the prophet that pointed to Jesus and said to to the world who Jesus was is now in prison and he sends two disciples to ask Jesus, are you the real person? Are you the real Messiah? Have I been confused in some way? Are you the one or is there another Messiah coming? What's going on? He is totally confused. I want to point two things to you. In chapter 9, verse 4 of Matthew, John's disciples have been coming to Jesus to complain why his disciples, the disciples of Jesus, are not fasting. So the disciples of John are already complaining that somehow Jesus is not doing it right. Guess who's visiting John in prison? Guess who's bringing news to John in prison about what's going on in the life of Jesus. Those same disciples that have been complaining about Jesus not doing it the way they thought should be done. The news that John is getting in prison is through these disciples. Why is John doubting in some way, or it seems a doubt, that Jesus is the one? The answer for me And there may be, I mean, I've had people give me different answers, but for me, John is vacillating, John is doubting because of prison. Prison isolates you. Prison depresses you. Prison makes you feel and understand a loneliness and an aloneness that is incredible. I have served in prison a couple of times by taking uh, Kairos, a Kairos program. It's a, like a cursillo into prison. And I've met a number of prisoners, and one of the things that I kept hearing from several prisoners was how lonely they were. Because one of the things that the feds do—this was a third-level prison, but one of the, of the things the feds do is that if you commit a crime in Florida, they station you or they put you in prison in California. And if you commit a crime in California, they'll send you someplace else. They will not imprison you in the same area where you committed the crime. And you know what happens? You're separated from family. And your families may come and visit you once in a while when they can. And your wife divorces you, or your husband divorces you, especially if you've been given a lot of years to serve. And you begin to be alone, and you begin to feel lonely, and you begin to have other prisoners as your family. And one of the things we used to do is we used to have children write letters to the prisoners. And we, at some point in the program, we would give these letters to these big tough, tattooed, bad, muscle-upon-muscle guys, and they would break down crying. Some of them would just close their bag and say, I can't read it here. I have to read it when I'm alone in my prison. Because they couldn't let other prisoners see them with tears. Prison isolates you. Prison depresses you. Prison makes you question everything that you one time were sure of. I think John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is isolated from Jesus. John the Baptist is not hearing Jesus' teachings. John the Baptist did not hear the Sermon on the Mount. John the Baptist did not see the blind receive eyesight. John the Baptist did not see the deaf here again. John the Baptist did not see the dead rise again. John the Baptist did not see the lame walk again. John the Baptist was isolated from everything that Jesus was doing. And all he heard was from the disciples what the disciples brought to him. And he begins to question, are you the one that is coming or do we look for another? You get it? Isolation does that. And here's the thing. When you and I isolate ourselves from the Lord, our faith, too, will begin to diminish. When you and I separate ourselves from the work of God, I don't care who you are, a time will come when you begin to question why is God taking so long? Does God not love me anymore? And eventually, it may even be, does God actually exist? I have seen pastors give up on their faith and throw away the gospel and start living a life contrary to what they started with. I have seen people turn away from God and hate God and not ever have anything to do with God. And perhaps their father or their mother were very much involved in church, but the children don't. Isolation. When you isolate yourself from the Word of God, when you're not making the Word of God your daily diet, when you get up in the morning and you're not in the Word, don't wonder why your day is so different. When you are isolating yourself from the presence of Almighty God, you will experience times of depression. And when you face crises, you will experience spiritual crises. When you don't walk with the Lord every day, your faith will diminish. You will leak you will leak, and you will... It'll become easier not to be with God, and it'll become easier not to be with the the Lord in church, and it'll become easier not to partake in the sacraments. When you isolate yourself, you will begin to question the Lord. You will begin to question whether He's the one. Is there some other God in some other religion? Who else should I look for? I've seen enough Christians turn their backs on Jesus, and go into other religions. But that is only because they never knew the Lord. They never spent time with the Lord. They never got to know the Jesus that heals, the Jesus that blesses, the Jesus that transforms lives. They never got to know Him because they isolated themselves. And I say to you, do not isolate yourself from the Word of God. You all should be reading the Word of God daily whether it's a brief meditation. There are meditation books in the table outside this this church. You can pick up one. They are free. And every day, just read one passage of Scripture. Be in the Word, and your faith will grow rather than diminish. When you isolate yourself from the body of believers, you will never see what God is doing in the body. You will never hear the testimony of someone that was touched, that was healed, that something good happened to them because you've isolated yourself from what God is doing. When you isolate yourself, you isolate yourself into the darkness of a prison and you become an easy victim of circumstances, an easy victim of of people, who will bring bad news to you and will make you question whether God is real. You isolate yourself from the source of life, you cannot expect life. You isolate yourself from the sacramental life of the church, there is power in the sacraments. There is effective grace available to us through all of the sacraments. You isolate yourself from the sacramental life of the church, and you will weaken as a believer. Isolation has an effect. And here we have the man who is a giant among prophets, no prophet greater than him, a giant in the kingdom of God, the one that baptized Jesus, the one that pointed to Jesus and told us all these things about Jesus, now beginning to question, are you the one? Are you the one? And you know what? I don't want you to miss this. But Jesus said, Jesus said, go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, The dead are raised, and he ends that by saying, And blessed is him who finds no offense at me. Guess who that was directed to? That was directed to John. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Because John was beginning to question whether Jesus fulfilled the prophecies or not. Whether Jesus was the one or not. Folks, let's look at this passage And let us ask ourselves, am I strong in the Lord or am I weak? And if I'm weak, why am I allowing weakness in my life when I should be in the Word? I should be in fellowship. I should be studying Scripture. I need to be filling up because we will leak. We will deflate. We need to get our faith strong so that we can have all of the benefits of the kingdom of heaven you hear me? Isolation from the Lord, isolation from His Word, isolation from the fellowship of the church, isolation from the sacramental life of the church will have a counterproductive effect in your walk with Jesus. And that's what happened with John the Baptist. The giant, the giant was defeated in a way. It's not an issue that he lost his salvation it's an issue that he started questioning whether Jesus had the truth or not the truth, whether he was the Messiah or was not the Messiah. And I don't want the same thing to happen to you. So I pray that you will listen. I pray if you like that you uh, read this passage again when you are home alone and study it and question And if you want to talk to me about any ideas you might have, I'm open to those ideas. But do not isolate yourself from the work that God wants to do in your life. It will be to your own peril. Stand with me, please.